This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, you fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. And my name's Adam. And welcome to episode 52. Episode 52 yep. is upon us. That's it. How have you been? I've been really good, thank you, mate. How have you been? Yes, fine, yeah. yeah. I spent uh, most of my week trying to get my Funko Pop figures to stand up, now that I've got a few of the Dot 2 ones. Oh, oh are they a bit wobbly? They are a little bit, yeah. Oh, Capaldi just Capaldi just it's because they got those big heads, isn't it? Capaldi just doesn't want to stand up, so I've kind of lent him against the TARDIS. He looks kind of cool next to it, so Oh yeah. that's so annoying. I know, I know. Yeah. How are you? Did you manage to get some in the end? Did you get your Funko figure of um Capaldi? Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Not still waiting for it. Hmm. Oh dear. I, I I don't know if this should this be another rant. <laughs> Oh, we're only about 30 seconds into the podcast. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realise I was opening such a big uh, can of worms so early. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, mm, so I ordered it from a certain sci-fi shop. Um, and I hadn't heard anything for a little while. And I thought, hmm, people are starting to get their, their figures because I pre-ordered it. I think it must have been about three weeks before they launched or something. Or maybe yeah. a month, something like that. And uh, anyway, the launch date had gone, um, and then I saw loads of tweets and photos, and when I chatted to you, mate, you said that you'd, you'd got yours, and it was all good. And I thought, hmm, I've not got mine. So I chased up with this um, with this uh, particular uh, shop, and um, apparently there was a problem with their with their website. Oh. So as the one I ordered was a limited edition as well, there's clearly not going to be any of those in stock ever. Oh, no, no. Yep, so, um, yeah. Well, I can only hope that they do get some more because um, I know what you mean when they're, when they're limited. And, you, and as soon as something like that happens, you think, oh, I'm never going to get it. But I, I don't think all is lost, actually, in all honesty, because um, those Funko figures, they do, some of the ones that I've wanted that have, that have been out of, sort of circulation for ages they do every now and again they'll, they'll sort of do another batch so all may not be lost but even so that is really frustrating because you ordered the, the one in the space didn't you 12 yeah. in the space suit yeah in the orange yeah. suit yeah 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 oh that's frustrating yeah. yeah it is because um i really really wanted it yeah and it was the first one i ordered as well because i haven't bought any more or ordered any more as yet um and that, that was the only one that i pre-ordered so i'm currently um, uh, Pop Funko Doctor Hulis. Oh, in terms. So, um, but I've got a trip coming up to um, uh, Forbidden Planet in a couple of weeks. Is this um, the? Because this is the thing. There's two, isn't there? This Forbidden Planet, Forbidden Planet International. Because as well as two websites, there's two different shops as well. Yes. Um, so, are you going to the Forbidden Planet? Well, here's the thing. So, as you know uh -huh. <laughs> from all of our previous rants, um, <laughs> Forbidden Planet. Um, dot com, which is the shop with the rocket as the logo sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
as you know, their website and ordering through their website, I don't do anymore because of all the problems I've had. Yeah. However, I don't mind going actually into their shop. Yeah, the shop's great. Because yeah. the shop's cool, you know. And and because you're in a shop, you know, there's no messing about. You know what you've got. They've either got it or they haven't. And if they've got it, you buy it. And it's as simple as that. There's no messing about. Mm. But for some reason, their website's just appalling. But Forbidden Planet International, which is a slightly different, uh, t- totally separate companies, aren't they? Yeah. Um, their website, I've never had any problems before. So I'm not going to bash them too much about it. I, I am disappointed. I'm a bit miffed mm. um, about it. However, I'm not going to go too mad because of all the things I've ordered from their website, this is the first time I've had an issue. Yeah, I understand. You know, whereas mm. with the other Forbidden Planet, pretty much most of the stuff I order online, I get a problem with. Whether it's something's out of stock and they've not realized it on the website or um, delivery's taken like five years or you've, <laughs> you've ordered something and then... They don't even tell you it's out of stock. You have to chase them like a month later and say, you know, I ordered this, what's going on? They're like, oh, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, that information would have been useful to me, you know, when I ordered it or shortly after. Five so, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, I'm I'm a bit miffed about it and disappointed, but I'm going to keep my eye on eBay because I'm sure it's going to pop on there at some point. Maybe I'll have to pay a little bit more for it. I don't know. But um, yeah, but that's, that's the situation. It might be. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, because um, the reason I asked which one you're going to is because I know one of our listeners, uh, the host productions, um, he's been doing some reviews on them. And he actually got his from the shop, Forbidden Planet International shop. Oh, right, yeah. So, that, yeah. so maybe they've actually got some in store or if they haven't got some in their website. That's why I was wondering which which you're going to. Because um, there's a chance if I don't because their stores aren't aren't as sort of um, easy to find, I don't mm-hmm. think, as the one with the rocket, are they? Um, but yeah, really. they they might actually still have some in store. Um, funny you should say about going into the shop and being able to get it straight away, though, because um, I can't believe we started on a ramp, but I might as well tell you this while we're talking about it. <laughs> I went to Forbidden Planet, the one with the rocket in central London, uh, yep. just um, just the other week, uh, the weekend, and they'd got the new Titan figures, the, the Capaldi series, oh, yeah. in the window. They'd got a whole box of them. It's the ones in the sort of blue and yellow packaging. So they got a whole box of about 50 or whatever it is of the titan figures in the window and i went in and i spoke to the woman at the customer service thing at the back and she was so unhelpful oh. it was unbelievable she she just was so miserable um she was like well if they probably you know they should be over there and i was like over where like <laughs> she was just like, she goes well if they're not there and i was like yeah you what you've sold out but you've got them in the window anyway i was getting nowhere with her and um and I kind of walked away just shaking my head. Um, and then I went and bought a couple of other bits. And I spoke to a really nice girl. I mean, she serves me quite a lot when I go in there. So, I, you know, she's quite quite nice. And I asked her. And then she phoned the customer service desk. And I was like, oh, no, don't speak to that woman again. Oh, <laughs> and she's, yeah. she's like, why? I said, oh, because I've already asked her. And she was a bit, she said, oh, oh her, like that. So, obviously, she's well known. So, yeah, it was really oh. frustrating. I took a picture. I've got a picture of the box, you know, of all these you know things that I wanted in their window, but uh, they didn't have them on the shelf, and I and they couldn't be bothered to go and find one out of the store, or or it wasn't for sale. I don't know what, but yeah, I was a bit miffed about that. So I was just sort of looking at them through the window, thinking I want wanted to buy you. Oh man, yeah, I wanted so- to give you more of my money, but you don't want to take it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing about Forbidden Planet. Oh god, we shouldn't continue this rant for much longer. No, we shouldn't. I can't. You know, the thing with Forbidden Planet is there's such a strong brand, and you know they're such a 
a big player in terms of all collectibles and comics and stuff, they don't really get challenged that often. And the yeah, other Forbidden yeah. Planet, the Forbidden Planet International, um, they haven't got a store in London that can compete with that one. So they kind of rule the nest, if you like. Mm. Um, but the the trouble with that is, is they're very complacent. So when you go in there and you want to talk to people about stuff, um, you, you get met with just a kind of uh, a wall of, of whatever. It's like, you know, I, I don't really want to talk to you. I'm, I just want to earn my money and go mm. home. Um, which is kind of a shame because I've been to loads of comic book stores in the past and a few of them have kind of got it right where they will take on people who have got an interest in that stuff. Um, um, like last year, for example, when I went into, uh, I was on holiday uh, uh, with the missus in, uh, in Toronto in Canada mm. and they've got an amazing comic book store there called The Silver Snail. Oh, and, I love the name. Yeah, and um, they've got a coffee shop in there and it's very... Um, it's very much about the atmosphere and the experience rather than just the products. Yeah. And um, I must have spent, because the missus, she she went off in the end um, and she just left me in there. I must have spent about 45 minutes talking to the guy behind the counter, just about random stuff, about Doctor Who, Batman, Star Wars, whatever. And he didn't have to do that. He had work to do. Um, and he was giving me pointers. He was saying, have you read this? Have you read that? Oh, you need to check this out. You would never get that in Forbidden Planet in London. No. And it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Because you you walk out of that shop feeling really like pleased, you know, that you've you've had that conversation. It does make such a difference. It does. Yeah. Do you know, bizarrely, I I the last time I experienced that, it was the same day I went to Vin Planet. But do you know what shop um, that happened in? To me, oh, you never guess. Was Argos? <laughs> I was chatting to, seriously. I was chatting to this <laughs> this girl in Argos about the, the this Doctor Who set, um, and we because it had been it had been reduced half price and it was this Dalek time set. And I was like, I don't know. I said, I, I want to look at it basically. You know, you can ask to look at it. Oh. Anyway, we ended up having a really good conversation about Peter Capaldi, series nine. <laughs> and I was thinking you should, now I'm thinking about it. She should be working in Forbidden Planet because she was so cool. Yeah. And I know I left there. Like I didn't buy the set actually has to be said, cause it was all bad. And also it, I still think it's too expensive. But um, yeah, I left there like, you know, saying, oh, enjoy Series 9. She's like, you too. You know what I mean? Left there with a big smile on my face. And that's Argos. So yeah, if they can yeah. do it, Forbidden Planet can do it. Do you know what they should yeah. do? They should do this. They should take the same approach that um, I don't know if any of our listeners have been to the um, the Harry Potter studio tour. Oh, yeah. You, have you been to that, mate? Yes, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when, because um, out of all like the kind of, uh, geeky stuff. I'd probably say that Harry Potter is like the number one thing for for the missus. And so she loves all that stuff. And when we went there, um, we went into the shop afterwards and um, I wanted this T-shirt, but it wasn't on the rack. So I said to this girl, have you got this in a size, whatever? She went, yeah, yeah, I'll just get someone to check it for you. So anyway, they took about five minutes or so to go off and check. But in the meantime, I got chatting to her and she was saying that she was working there because she was on a break from uni. Yeah. Um, but in order to work there, you need to know and, you know, kind of be into it, you know, to a certain level. They don't just take right. on the people there that don't know what, you know, um, a Grindylow is or, you know, they don't know what Avada Kedavra does and, <laughs> and and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and they you, should, yeah. Yeah, so basically what their theory is is that if anybody was to approach any member of staff and say, what's this in this film? They should be able to pretty much answer most things. I, I like that. Which I is cool. I like that, yeah. Which is why when you walk around the Harry Potter uh, tour, if you talk to any member of staff, they'll tell you anything you want to know about Harry Potter without even looking it up. And that, go, that goes for all of them, even the people that just work in the shop on the till. 
Yeah. So they should take that approach in Forbidden Planet, I think. If they're going to take on staff that are going to be talking to people or ignoring people all day about comics and, you know, toys and collectibles and that sort of stuff, they should at least be into it a little bit and know what they're talking about and not just be like... Because what you said, it almost feels like they, those people should swap roles. The girl at Forbidden Planet yeah. should have worked in Argos and vice versa. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, uh, but as I say, and but it, it is mixed. I mean, like I said, the, the second girl that served me she's often in there and she's really cool you know and and everything it's just that there seems to be weirdly enough she's always on the front counter it seems to always be the person on the customer service bit at the back <laughs> that i have issues with because the last time i had someone really rude to me there was at the customer service and yet on the front till they're always okay pretty much they're like pretty enthusiastic and stuff you know so i don't know maybe they all swap roles or something i'm not sure yeah <laughs> i can almost feel us getting um, blocked on Twitter by Forbidden Planet soon. Yes. <laughs> oh, them. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, to be fair, it's not unwarranted. It's not unjustified. I'm sure it's not just us that have these problems with those guys. No, no, exactly. We no, can't I be. Just, I just think it will be renaming the podcast the Big Blue Rant Podcast before long. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves a good rant. I'm sure there are listeners going, do you know what? These guys have got a point. Absolutely right. Yeah. 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 Well, I know that that's churchy because I know that the last time we had a rant, um, a couple of our listeners messaged us on Facebook, didn't they? And said, because I know Helen Jones had um, Uh, uh, one of our listeners. Hello, Helen. She um, she had a very similar experience to us. So, yeah, it's not just us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself down to Argos, mate. They're the ones. (laughs) <laughs> have a chat about Doctor Who in Argos. That's right. She was so cool. I'm <laughs> going to go back and see her actually when the new series starts. Probably... No, that sounds a bit weird. Um, should, should we? Uh, should we get into the news? I was going to say, should we draw a line in the sand yeah, for today's draw rant? A line. Yeah. And let's let's do the news. Let's land. Should we it. have a section today's today's rant from now on? No, because no. we'll just do it anyway, won't we? Um, yeah, I think we'll just we'll just rant any way we want, mate. Yeah, I just like the idea. <laughs> and here's today's rant. And then we could have a little bit of music coming in, like do 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 do. Well, the thing is, I don't like, I don't particularly like ranting about places and people in who, you know, this is their, they do this for a living, sort of thing. You know, so I don't really like, you know, publicly, you know, slating these people. But at the end of the day, we're spending our hard-earned cash in these places, so that's right. Yeah, they need to provide at least some sort of. You know, humanitarian service, if nothing else. I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. I shall have a swig from my TARDIS cup while you twiddle the dials and land the TARDIS. Yeah, I'm going to land it. Let's do it. Radio, lovely. First up in uh, this week's news. So uh, this one's kind of cool. So the BBC have released, um, uh, oh, sorry, have released, have have just announced uh, a new competition uh, for Who fans. Um, uh, I'm going to say UK peeps only on this one because I'm just quoting off the off the BBC's Doctor Who uh, website. So mm. this is a competition called Mission Dalek. And it does say UK residents only, so I'm not sure about that. Um, however, uh, it's kind of cool. So what they've done is they've um, they've basically charged all of the creative uh, fans and all those peeps to come up with their own Doctor Who adventure, uh, which is cool. And you can do this in any way that you want. So what they've done is they've given you a very a very rough brief to go on, 
Um, so essentially, what's happened is um, it's it's a it's a it's a classic Doctor Who versus the Daleks storyline, and they're asking you to fill in the gaps basically. So mm. what they're saying is, um, lost in space and time without his TARDIS, uh, the Doctor is trying to make contact. Uh, the only clues as to where he is are in his 2,000-year diary located in the TARDIS core. Uh, use these clues to create your very own mission Dalek adventure to tell us how the Doctor comes face-to-face with, face-to-face with the Daleks once again. Then it says, unleash your digital creativity. So be it video, animation, image editing, whatever you like. Uh, use the range of clips and images we're supplying or create your own story from scratch. Throw in animation, voiceovers, cosplay, whatever you like. Just tell your story digitally. Um, and yeah, so they've basically just thrown open a complete, um, blank canvas for people really, which is really it, cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I watched, I watched the little video actually, um, this morning, um, cause I'd been hearing a lot about this, um, on social media, this, this mission Dalek. Um, but I didn't really know what it was, uh, cause to be fair, I've been a bit busy this week and I, so I've been a bit sort of out of the loop, but I kept hearing this mission Dalek, mission Dalek. Um, and it's, it's a really good idea. I think now, now that I actually know what it's all about and mm-hmm. it's a great little video that they've done to go with it. It's, you know, so it shows the doctor searching for Gallifrey, which, um, I immediately liked cause I thought, Oh, I wonder if that's, you know, is that going to tie in with series nine? Is he finally going to, you know, they, cause yeah. they've sort of been, that's sort of been lingering in the background for a while, hasn't it? The search for Gallifrey. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got a feeling that might feature a bit in Series 9. But, but yeah, it's a great idea. Um, and I think this is something that really sort of appealed to a lot of people because everything is digital now and there's loads of fan films out there. And, and you know, there's a lot of Doctor Who fans that love doing this sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wonder, are they going to upload people's stuff somewhere? Are we going to be able to look at, you know, what people have made? I mean, I'm assuming at some point they will. Yes, they will. So um, the reason for this is because it's part of the um, BBC Make It Digital uh, campaign um, initiation thing, um, which is basically about um, inspiring sort of young creatives to get into the whole uh, uh, storytelling via digital mediums, basically, um, which they referenced earlier about whether it's digi- um, uh, video or animation, all that kind of stuff. They just mm. want to, they just want people to be creative um, so that they can push this kind of digital medium so that. Um, as people grow up and want to choose their career, if they decide to go into anything like that, they've got kind of a good foundation about how how digital works, basically. Yeah. Um, and they're they're very um, the Doctor Who part of it is very into it because what they've done is if um, we'll put a link to the the website for it as well, but um, they've basically said, look, if you want to do however you want to do this, we'll we'll help you do it. So you can download. Um, an asset pack from the BBC website, which has got all of like um, some logos and some wallpapers and pictures and some sound effects that you can use, like the official ones. And then they've got a, a short video series as well, which is divided into things like how do you write an episode of Doctor Who, um, tips for directing, camera work, animation, all that stuff. Mm. So it's all there for you guys to use. Um, and I just think this is really cool because... Um, I think a lot of people who have been involved in the show, especially people like RTD and Moffat and uh, some other people, have always said that Doctor Who fans are among some of the the most creative um, mm. out of all sort of fandom, really, which kind of um, you can kind of buy into, really, because there was that guy, wasn't there, who made the the the, the episode intro on, on YouTube. Yeah, and it ended up getting used. Yeah. Ended up being used, yeah. So you can you can see that they're very enthusiastic about 
um, encouraging that stuff. So I think this is really good. So it's called Mission Dalek. And like I said, I think it's at the moment, it's just UK people. Um, however, I'm not sure if they're going to open it up afterwards. But um, essentially, the prize um, is uh, you win a trip to the set and meet Capaldi. Oh, wow. Cool. Which is very cool. And I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that they're going to... Um, uh, that they're going to announce the winners at some point before then, because um, that that visit will be on the twenty fourth of September. Oh, so it's quite soon then. Yeah, um, right. So get your skates on. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I, I was just thinking about what you said about if you think about all the great fan stuff that is already out there, and I, I think this is such a good idea. I mean, some of the fan stuff is is incredible. It is. Um, you know, when you go on YouTube, like some of the intros people did and and some of the... Uh, I'm thinking of that. Do you remember before Series 8 started, there was that amazing video showing um, Peter Capaldi coming out of the TARDIS in the rain uh, yep. and Clara yep. at the door. I mean, it was so well done. You know, that everyone was like, is this official or what? You know, so it's incredible um, some of the f stuff that fans can do nowadays. And um, yeah. yeah, I just think this is a brilliant idea, like you said, yeah. And I've got... Um I've got a couple of guys in mind with this written all over it. Oh, yeah. Uh, our regular listeners, the Who Addicts guys. I was thinking of them, yeah. You guys have, you guys have got to do something for this because you kind of, you're doing this already. Yeah. You're doing your own fan films and adventures and stuff. So this has got you guys written all over it. I'm thinking of uh, Last of the Time Lords as well, another YouTube channel. I can imagine them doing something like brilliant on oh, this. Oh yeah, yep. Um, I tell you, I mean, I was also thinking this is a bit more mainstream, but I was thinking about the 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 Elisa who does the the Doctor puppet. Have you ever watched the Doctor puppet? Yes, yeah. Which is, I know it's quite mainstream now, but when she started off, obviously it was just um, something she did, you know, uh, out of her own passion. And I love the Doctor puppet and the amount of work she put into it and i mean I, I think all the success she's got is well deserved because it's brilliant the doctor puppet you know so yeah, yeah. the fan stuff just incredible yeah, yeah. So, so i'm really looking forward to seeing what what comes out of this yeah so if any of our listeners do um uh, partake in this uh, be sure to let us know and send us um uh, whatever your entry is we'll um we'll check it out and play it on the podcast oh yeah i'd love to yeah, that'd be cool yeah right another news uh, a little bit of news here um remember last podcast we were saying about this um cinema 3D showing of, of Death in Heaven um, in the US. Well, it's also going to be shown in 3D in Denmark and Russia now. They've added sort of a couple more places to it, um, mm -hmm. which is strange, really. Well, not strange, but I don't know. I, I just find this whole thing a bit odd, to be honest. It's, it, <laughs> not in the UK, you know, so is, is, is strange. And also not two great episodes. But, but yeah, if you're in Denmark or Russia, if you're listening, hello. Um, and you want to see Dark Water and Death in Heaven in 3D, it's going to be shown there. Uh, I'm not sure the dates, um, but uh, obviously leading up to the, the new series. It will be the same date, so the 15th and 16th of September. Ah, oh, right, okay. There is one of them, I think, I'm not sure if it's Denmark or Russia, but one of them it's playing on just one night, which I think is the 16th, but on the other one it's the, the both nights like it is in the US. I see. Obviously expecting a smaller crowd at the other one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I've got a funny feeling. I've got a, a, a small suspicion that mm. there will be an announcement for a UK screening at some point. Do you reckon? I think there will, yeah. But unfortunately, I think the way it will go is it will just pop up somewhere. And then before everybody's found out about it, it will be sold out. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can imagine I that. I can see that also, also, you were saying, I think, on the last podcast, it was coming out on, on Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. um, and I think... 
it's only going to be a, at the minute it is listed as Blu-ray, but it's a, a US release. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's got a UK release date on Blu-ray no, yet. No, it hasn't. No. Yeah, because I saw it the other day. It sort of popped up on you know as a recommendation. I was thinking, oh, there's that, there's the Blu-ray, and I was like, oh no, it's Region One. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. But I'm again, I'm guessing they're gonna gonna release it on Blu-ray. I was thinking um, that that premiere of the Magician's Apprentice in uh, Edinburgh must be coming up very soon because that's i remember saying it's about a month before before the actual air date so that must be coming around pretty soon i think that's next week yeah if memory serves i could be wrong but i think that's some point next week so please no spoilers no of any of those guys i know us who fans are fairly tight-lipped and good with that stuff anyway but yeah if we can keep spoilers to a minimum that'd be good and all, <laughs> that'd be good. And also, Moffitt was saying um, in some interview because they were saying, "Who was it asked it? Might have been our old mate Blog to Who, I think." Um, Cam, yeah, he yeah. did an interview. Cameron, yeah, he did an interview with uh, the Moff recently. I, I think it was him. I might be giving him credit for something he didn't do. I'm not sure. Uh, but I read this somewhere. Anyway, the Moff said was asked why did they ever plan to put the Magician's Apprentice in the cinema like they did with Deep Breath? And the Moffitt replied, "No, because it's a two-parter." They didn't want to have to show both episodes. You know, they they want them to be sort of seen as it as they are, sort of thing. Right, so it's quite right. interesting that they've they've sort of decided to do that Edinburgh one in a way, because obviously they will only be showing the one part, um, and it will be you'll have to wait a month <laughs> to get to the conclusion. So it's a bizarre choice, mm. I think, or bizarre timing. I think if it was sort of a week or two before, but a month. Yeah, mind you, you'll be you'll be absolutely well. Then you'll have to watch the episode one again before you'll actually have to wait five weeks, won't you, if you get to see that? You so, will be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers, please. Next up, um, so this one's um, I'm not sure if there's more to it than this one or if it's just a, a coincidence, but mm. um, we've got some more set photos that have been used for uh, series nine, and it's a very familiar. Uh, set so cast your mind back to um series was it seven six? seven oh six no six isn't it yeah yeah it was six yeah oh, was it yeah six so series six um the impossible astronaut um there was a certain location that was used um a reasonable amount in that episode and it was this american looking diner you know the one I know, yeah, Eddie's Diner. Eddie's Diner in Cardiff. Yeah. Anyways, the Doctor Who crew have been uh, seen filming there Mm. for Series 9. Now, coincidence or just, is there more to it than this? Well, I I think it's just coincidence because they do tend to use the same locations a lot. Um, So I'm going to... Go out on a limb here and say it's a coincidence. Um, I love the photos that have emerged. I mean, Clara's in this sort of blue and white waitress dress, and I mm-hmm. honestly thought it was a, t- I honestly thought it was a TARDIS dress when I first saw it. It's so, like now I look at it, it's just a, I think it's just coincidence. But I thought she was wearing some sort of TARDIS themed outfit um, <laughs> when I saw the first picture. Okay, um, I don't know if you can see what I mean. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking, why is yeah. she dressed as a TARDIS? I think it's because I've seen cosplayers in these sort of outfits and they have like oh, the little yeah. Bl- yeah. blue light on the head and you know they're sort of dressed as artists i think that's what i was thinking of or getting confused with but um yeah the pictures are intriguing i mean most of them are of clara there was a couple of um capaldi coming out in his shades i think as mm-hmm. well so yeah. they're obviously both there um but there do seem to be lots of little bits 
um, that seem to be tying into other episodes. Uh, you know, from the sort of pictures we've seen of Series 9 so far, there's been a, quite a lot of little possible throwbacks and, and yes. references already, hasn't there? I mean, and, and I don't know how many of these are going to play out when the series actually airs, but but I don't know. With this one, I, I think it's just going to be a reuse of the... Of the of the uh, of the place, I think of Eddie's Diner. I I think, um... mind you, I've just noticed the photo that was tweeted has got the American. Oh, I suppose it would do. Yeah, it's got the American backdrop. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've got a very small theory as well. Okay. Oh, I do love a theory. Go on. We do love a theory. Now, I'm I'm pretty much on board with and agree with you that it's it's probably just coincidence. Um, however, that photo does reveal something very tiny, but. I'm not sure. So, you know, um, we reported that uh, David Tennant was seen spotted with Paul McGann and RTD and stuff. Yeah. Um, if you look at what Clara's wearing in that photo, I'm pretty sure she's the only person since Tennant to wear the Converse, the white Converse boots. Oh, yeah. Yes. And she's a white Converse with a red stripe. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nobody else has worn those since Tennant. And it's a bit like, I don't want to read too much into that. And like I say, it's only a tiny theory. But there could be a, a link somewhere between why Tennant has been spotted there. And it might go back into this whole thing about uh, the Fires of Pompeii episode story. Mm -hmm. um, however, uh, the, the white or the sand-coloured converse that, or the, uh, the shoes that Tennant wore as part of his costume are quite iconic yeah. If you know what I mean, it's a bit like the fourth doctor's scarf or, you know, that stuff or um, Matt Smith's bow tie. So the fact that Clara's wearing those, which seems quite odd, wearing those with a waitress outfit. I was just going to say that because normally I might think nothing of it, but as you pointed it out, and like you said, it's if they were going to go for that sort of waitress outfit, you wouldn't think Converse is your first choice of footwear for a waitress. So that does sort of add to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, good. Yeah, good so theory. So I'm I'm pretty certain that in series nine we're going to see quite a few little throwbacks and connections to previous episodes and series of Who. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think Moffat's really going to go for it in this series. I I just get the feeling he seems to be throwing everything into this one, including the kitchen sink from from what we've seen so far. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's all fine by me. Yeah, great pictures as well. I'm really really looking forward to seeing seeing this. And I. I'm guessing they're coming close to wrapping the series by now, aren't they? They must be if it's nearly ready to air. I think they. I think they're they're done. I was going to say I was yep. actually surprised to see that they were still filming because I just assumed that they they'd already wrapped. So yeah, it must be getting close. Yeah, yeah I think they are it. done. It must be in post production now. It must be. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, in other news, I don't know if you've um, if you've got the latest Doctor Two magazine, uh, which is I mean mine. It only came out uh, depending on when you listen to this. Only came out yesterday, but um, Stephen Moffat always does you know the little page of notes at oh, the yeah. beginning, and they can be quite amusing. He doesn't really give a lot away, but. In this month's issue, he has dropped quite a lot of um, little hints and details about the series. It's quite unusual here because he's normally very sort of guarded. You know, he'll give you like a word, you yeah. know, say so look out for like, I mean, he does actually in this one as well. He says sort of look out for hybrid cobbles and cards and all that sort of thing, <laughs> you know, stuff that means nothing until you actually see the episode. But he has actually come out with some other good stuff. Um, he said that... Uh, the, no, the whole Zygon storyline, for example, mm -hmm. this is something I wondered. He said um, he always planned it to be 
uh, a two-parter before the 50th. So he always had the idea that the Strand would be picked up in a future series, which I, I find odd because the 50th was, I think, should have been such a self-contained celebration episode. I find it really odd that he... He made that choice. I think he just about pulled it off, though. I mean, it just it did annoy me at the time that it was left hanging. So right. it's typical Moffat, isn't it, to pick it up, not in the next series, but the following series. <laughs> you know what I mean? So typical yeah. of him to drag it out for another two series. But, yeah, you know, he's saying that um, he pretty much always had that planned, I think. Uh, yeah, Moffat had the idea for the cycle to part before the 50th. Right. Um, yeah, so that was good. What else has he been saying? Um Concept for episodes three and four uh, was ghost plus time travel. Uh, in other oh, yeah. words, what if you could meet your own ghost? That sounds quite interesting. It says was, though. Concept four, the episode was. So does that mean they changed their mind? Oh, yeah. I don't know, but it yeah. does sound quite interesting. Um, he's also been talking a lot about, and this always worries me when they say things like this, that this was a really tough episode to write. Like he's talking about um, episode nine, for example, in the notes, he says is a tough one to pull off and very different to Mark Gatiss's other scripts. And um, I've heard it's going to be like a found footage type episode, which I didn't know what that meant to begin with, but it sort of means a bit sort of Blair Witch style, which personally yeah. I, I yeah. don't really like. I think it's been overdone, but it I'm, does. I'm yeah. glad that they're trying to do something different and I hope it's not going to be, to Blair Witch, I hope they're actually doing something very different, and it's, it sounds quite an intriguing episode, I think. Um, well, what's quite important about that one as well is that they say that it will still be in the kind of Mark Gattis style, yeah, and tone, but nothing like Robot of Sherwood, right? Which yeah, which is a good thing because I think Robot, yeah, I think so. I mean, Robot of Sherwood was a very light episode and not not one of my favorites, not the worst, but wasn't one of my favorites in the series, certainly. Um, so he's also talking about series 10 and he was sort of saying that uh, every scene ends with a cliffhanger in series yes. 10, yeah. which I find, again, really odd. But out of all the things he's saying, what I do like is that it sounds like they're trying new things, um, you know what I mean, which is good because I think one of the things that's easy, and Moffat said it himself, one of the things that's easy to fall into, one of the traps that's easy to fall into, is it's easy to become stale and just, you know, go through the motions and do the same thing over and over again. Um, and from what he's saying in these show notes, and there's there's loads of others as well, it it sounds like they're trying lots of different things and they're trying to keep it fresh, you know, and perhaps be a bit daring with it. And I think that's good. I think, you know, I mean, even if some of it doesn't get pulled off, um, I think it's good that they're trying trying to keep the show exciting and new yeah because otherwise you sort of i think with series seven for example you kind of just knew you know you were just tuning in every week there was, there was some good stuff bad stuff but it was almost there was a bit of a predictability to it and i, li I like the fact that they're obviously trying to do something new um with it if you like yeah no i, I totally agree because i think that's possibly what happened with um series seven yeah that's what um, i was thinking yeah because it kind of it didn't really break new ground really um for for matt smith and um yeah it was just kind of going along the same motions that we'd seen before yeah so if yeah so if i'm i hope that, it, that it's going along the same lines as what you say that they're trying new stuff and i mean personally i think this is going to be better than series eight i really hope so i, th I yeah. think it will be um yeah, and there was some good stuff in series eight. I mean, I and, and there was some not so good stuff. I mean, I think in the forest of the night, for example, they perhaps tried to do something a bit different and, and fell f flat as anything. But um, yeah, I was just looking at another note here. It says the concept for episode three and four 
No, sorry. Guest star Sophie Stone's character will only speak through sign language in episodes three and four. Uh, that in itself is quite unusual, I think. You know, so yeah, all these little ideas and little things that he's sort of hinted at in the latest issue of Doctor Who magazine make for quite interesting reading, I think. Indeed. Yeah. Cool. Uh, last up in the news before we get on to our review. Um, so there's going to be a new um, series of books uh, launching um, next month. Um, which will be um, one of these fortnightly kind of things, mm. which seems to be quite popular at the moment. And it's uh, basically um, a behind-the-scenes look at um, loads of different episodes throughout each Doctor's era. Um, so it's called Doctor Who, The Complete History. Um, and what it is, it starts with, um, um, interestingly enough, it, it doesn't really go in Doctor order too much because... Um, the first volume to be released will be the David Tennant stuff. Um, and actually, I think there's going to be more than... Will there be more than one book for each Doctor? Yes, I believe be. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I think so. Yeah, so the first um, the first book, uh, number one, is um, uh, the David Tennant stuff. But then number two is um, the John Pertwee stories. Uh, number three is Capaldi. And number four is um, William Hartnell. So mm. the good thing is it's not going, it's not one of those things where you start at Hartnell and then you know that you've got like two years until you get to Capaldi. <laughs> so That's it's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to come out staggered, which is quite cool. And essentially what it is, is every, so the first one, I'm not sure about the price as well. I mean, the first one's not too bad. It's only one ninety nine, um, And then after that, I can only go on the pre-order prices, but after that, it's six ninety-nine, and then it's nine ninety-nine after that for uh, edition three onwards. And all it does is takes um, uh, a series of stories for that doctor. So, for example, um, one of the tenant ones looks at um, gridlock, Daleks in Manhattan, uh, evolution of the Daleks, uh, the Lazarus experiment stuff. And what it does, it just gives you a complete. Um, behind the scenes um story about those episodes um so what it does it gives you a breakdown and a synopsis for the story itself um it gives you details about uh, the production so scripts casting uh, rehearsals studio recordings that sort of stuff um the publicity around that episode um the broadcast as well gives you profiles and rundowns on the cast and crew any merchandising that was released and then any reference to anything else that appeared in novels or video games, gadgets, toys, all that kind of stuff is all contained in these books about these episodes. Hmm. And they so, do look really nice. The artwork on them and everything's really nice, isn't it? It is very cool, yeah. Hmm. And you can see that once the the complete collection has, has been made, um, when you put all the books in order, um, all the spines make up um, this really cool picture of all the Doctors together. It does look good, yeah. So that looks really cool. Um, so if you're... If you're a Who fan that's really into like the um, the behind the scenes and how um, these episodes were actually made and what goes into making an episode and all the interesting facts about that stuff, then this is definitely for you. Yeah. Um, so it's going to take a while to collect the ball, isn't it? I mean, it's like one of those. I think it's it's planned over three years to get the whole set, isn't it? I is think it three years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Which um, I suppose the money is spaced out, but if you add up all that money over those three years, is a lot of money. But uh, I do like the look of these, and I am very tempted. I'm certainly going to get the first couple of issues, 
Um, there seems to be some sort of confusion over the price as well because on their Facebook page and that they are saying that issue one's one ninety nine, and yet on their poster for it, it says issue one is two ninety nine. So there seems to be it seems like they haven't quite decided on the price yet. But either way, it's cheap for first issue. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to get a couple just to sort of see what it's all about because if anything, as I say, they they look like really nice books, and I know that these have sort of been lingering around for a few months because they did like a test area one of one of my youtube friends um did some videos on them and i was saying where are you getting these because i can't find them anywhere and it's because they were sort of like they often do with these things did like a test area to see how well they sold and right. he was down in middlesbrough i think so they you know he managed to get a couple and he did some reviews on them and they look really good and i i was sort of looking forward to these actually getting a a proper full release um, which they finally are in september so yeah i'm gonna get a couple um i don't know about you you're gonna get you're gonna get the first one just have a look um I'll, yes i'll pick up the it's first one yeah yeah cause yeah because um and yeah. it's tenant your uh, favorite and it's my doctor yeah so the first yeah. one it even though it does say 299 on the poster that might be if you're ordering directly with with the company um you know the the company that actually produces them yeah um however everywhere else it's 199 <laughs> strange isn't it yeah. yeah and then um issue two is going to be 6.99 but then every issue after that so number three onwards will be 9.99 yeah yeah so it's it's one of those things again where it's a lot of money over two or three years um however it does look awesome so it does i don't know we're yeah. talking of we're talking at least uh 200 pounds yeah however you're not paying that out all at once it's like a subscription thing it's every two weeks as well so oh is it every, i think it's every month it's every two weeks isn't yeah. it so you'd build mm. it up relatively quickly um you just need to pay for a new sh you'd have to put up a new shelf or i would anyway because <laughs> yeah. it really does look cool when you see the picture of them all lined up together i was thinking i'd love to have that on, on the shelf that would look brilliant yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i probably will get this i think yeah it does look very cool I know a few of our listeners have, have been saying about it as well. I've seen on Facebook. So, yeah, let us know if you're going to get it as well and what you think of it. Yeah. Cool. That's so, that's, cool. yeah, it's all the news. Some good bits in there this, this, well, I could say this month, this week. Yes. Yeah. Some very cool bits. Uh, right. One second. Adam. Yes. <gasps> what are you viewing this week? Oh no, what is it? <laughs> Gary, there's something behind me. It's Hyde! Okay. What is that? It's, uh, it, it, uh, it's a very loud noise. It's a very loud, very angry noise. Who's making it? I don't know. Are you making it? <laughs> Doctor. Yes? I may be a teeny, tiny bit terrified. Yes? But I'm still a grown-up. <laughs> Mainly, yes, and? There's no need to actually hold my hand. Clara. I'm not holding your hand. Oh my goodness. Oh, right. So, Hyde. By Neil Cross. By Neil Cross, indeed, yeah. So this was not too long ago, uh, April 2013. Hmm. So this was part of um, uh, Series 7. Part B or whatever they called it, yeah. Yeah, Part B, yep. Um, so this was, um, yeah, so by Neil Cross and directed by Jamie Payne. And, um, yeah, so this one, I guess this is one of the, I, I, I'm not going to be completely off, off the mark here, but 
I think um, this is one of the only few Doctor Who stories where um, it, it, it portrays that very typical old haunted house kind of story. Yeah, it starts off very sort of, um, like you said, yeah, very sort of, what's the word, traditional sort of story, haunted house, ghost. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the actual first few minutes are pretty cool, aren't they, where the, um, the woman takes a picture of the ghost and every time she takes a picture, it gets closer and closer to the camera. It's, yeah. it's quite a nice intro. But yeah, it starts off a pretty uh, by-numbers ghost story and then and then sort of takes a twist in the middle, really, doesn't it? Yes. Um, so it starts off as many episodes do that the doctor and his companion, in this case, Clara happen to wander into something that's, you know, already going on. Um, so they, uh, they arrive at this haunted house. Well, supposedly haunted. Um, and there's these two people that are investigating this, uh, phenomenon. Um, and it's, um, it's really good. So professor Palmer, um, who's played by Dugray Scott, who's quite a big actor, you know, so it was quite cool mm. to get him um, uh, for this episode. He's very good. And his, yeah. uh, his lovely assistant, uh, Emma, uh, played by Jessica Rain, who mm. we know popped up in another Doctor Who story. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd forgotten it was her, actually. I was really surprised because um, she's in the very first scene and I was like, oh, it's her it's from her, yeah. Adventure in Space and Time. Yes. Yeah. I completely um, forgot she was in it. I'd, I'd forgotten as well <laughs> until I watched <laughs> it. Um, so these these two are, he's like a, prof, a professor. He's like an old uh, army secret service type of guy. Um, but now he's uh, a ghost hunter by, by the look of it. He's bought this really old, huge mansion and his assistant. They kind of have feelings for each other, but they don't really reveal Uns- them until the unspoken end. isn't it unspoken yeah. feelings yeah yeah typical so british they're typical british yeah they're trying <laughs> to keep everything um professional and stuff but they're, they're obviously very much in love with each other um which is the tone of the story really which you don't find out until the very end but um, like you say the first i would say probably the first half of this episode so the first 20 minutes or so um it is very much a typical um bump in the night you know hairs on the back of your neck kind of thing yeah there's uh, lots of wandering around with candlesticks yeah. no one switches a light on um <laughs> lots of lightning a few jumpy moments yeah like you said very sort of typical play by numbers scary yeah. haunted house yeah yeah um but then the second half it kind of progr- it kind of transitions more into that typical sci-fi thing where mm. we find out it's not really a ghost it's not a haunting but it's a it's, it's a pocket dimension where uh, this person has been stranded um and she can sense that somebody's trying to help her, which is this kind of psychic character, Emma, mm. um, who's, uh, who's able to kind of communicate across the dimensions. And so this person's been trying to contact her, but because they're going, because she's trying to communicate via another dimension, it's getting warped, if you like, which is why she's always seen as this kind of uh, um, strange ghostly character because her image is being warped by the dimensional crossover. Mm. I'm being very technical. This is very cool. Yes. Yeah, I like um, it. <laughs> and then it turns out that the only reason why she's so desperate to try and escape and she needs some help is because she's being chased by um, this kind of weird uh, creaturey thing. Um, it turns out that um, is also in search of love. Yes, that's kind of the final I, twist, isn't it? I guess, yeah. So it turns mm. out that in the very end... Um, so yeah, so at the, near the end, the um, the 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 main characters outside of the Doctor and Clara, so uh, Professor Palmer and Emma, they do finally reveal their feelings because 
um, they find out that the person that they saved, which ends up being a time traveler, is actually one of their great, 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 great granddaughters, I guess. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the creature, they the Doctor Twigs right at the very end, that the creature who has been stranded in the mansion as well has also been trying to communicate with his partner, mate, whatever, or her mate um, in this other dimension. And you don't see it at the end, kind of lets your mind fill in the gaps, but the Doctor rescues it and brings it back. Mm. And I think he takes them somewhere where they can be safe. Yeah, and I think yeah. the, the doctor actually says, uh, just in case the viewer hasn't grasped, he says this is a this is not a ghost story. This is a love story. A love story. Yeah, yeah. So you think it's a ghost story, but it's it's actually a love story. Yeah. Um, yeah that's oh, that's a good synopsis. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the episode. Actually, pretty much. Um, yeah. So, what's your overall feelings on this one? Yeah. So my overall feeling is that um, I, I'm kind of in two minds about it. And the reason why I'm in two minds about it is because um, I like the first half of this episode. Right. Um, I really, really wanted it to be an entire um, just scare fest, basically, because I know that Doctor Who can be scary at times, mm. but very rarely does it kind of investigate this thing about the paranormal and ghosts and stuff. I know it has been touched upon in previous stuff with Doctor Who, but this yeah. is like a full-on in-your-face ghost story, or supposed to be. Um, and I do kind of get why they, why the episode moves on from that and goes into more of the sci-fi stuff about interdimensional stuff. And, you know, it's not really a ghost. It's this person and a reason why it appears as a ghost is because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I get that. It's all cool. But the, the first, I would say the first 15 minutes actually really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Mm. I, I thought that the way the production on this as a ghost story was really, really well done. Yeah, You know, because it hits all the right beats. You know, it does the whole kind of um, shadows in the night. You know, like you said, nobody turns on a light and it's all very old school mm. and it's very jumpy and you've got like the the thunder and lightning outside and it's all very atmospheric and I love that. And I just wish that the whole episode was more about that stuff. Um, yeah. And it was more of a typical ghost story from near start to finish. Um, but I thought that the the last 20 minutes or the last 15 minutes were a little bit, I, I don't know, I just found it a little bit kind of uninteresting, really. But I, I don't think they did enough with the character um, that they rescued. What, um, the, the hide, oh, no, the, the girl. The girl, yeah, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, Healer. Yeah, uh, the sorry, the actor's name is Kemi Bow. I don't think they did enough with her character, because not that I think that they necessarily needed to, but I didn't really care much for that character. Because, I know what you mean. You yeah. know, because it was just a case of right, we just need somebody in another dimension that we can save. Exactly. So, you know, they didn't really go into much of about her because she sounded like she was quite cool. She was a, a time traveller you know, from her own time, all that, all that kind of stuff. That could have been quite cool, but they just needed a person in another dimension that they could work with to explain why. Well, they could have they could have um, had a few sort of shots of her, you know, sort of running from the creature or built up a bit of suspense so you cared about her a bit, I think. Because you're right, she, she kind of gets brought in very late in the day and she's quite important to the plot line, but she has about two lines, I think. So, yeah, you, yeah. like you said, yeah. you don't really care or she's very in consequential no that's not a word but she's know <laughs> you know mean, what i mean yeah. she's yeah, yeah she's very sort of she's important to the story but the character isn't 
um, important enough in the story, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah spot on, yeah. Um, so I, I really like the first part, the the typical ghost story stuff. It's very The music's very good. Yeah. It's quite scary. I, I tried to watch this last night. It was about, I don't know, half an hour before my son was going to bed, and he's eight years old now. Mm-hmm. And he's watched a lot of Doctor Who, so he's used to the whole kind of monster thing. But I had to turn this off sort of five, ten minutes in because he was like, Daddy, this is really scaring me. Yeah, it is. It's, it's creepy. Yeah, and I thought, you know, he'll be right because he sat next to me. And, um, and I explained to him very early on. I said, look, it's not a ghost. It's just this lady that's trapped and she's trying to get home or she's trying to get somewhere. And the, doc- the doctor's going to rescue her. It's all going to be happy. But And he turned to you and said, Dad, spoilers. Well, no, he was he's quite cool because I did say to him, right, this one's kind of about ghosts. I said, but it's not scary, so I don't want you to be scared. And I tried to explain it briefly without spoiling it too much. And that just did no good because after 10 minutes, he was just crap in his pants. And he was like, Daddy, I don't like it. This is scaring me. So I had to turn it off. So I watched all of it this morning. But even I was I was quite creeped out by it because the way that if, especially when they've got the huge um, pin board with all the photos that they've taken of her, some of those photos look really scary. Like yeah. when her mouth is open really long and she's reaching out and her face is all kind of screwed up. It is quite a scary thing, which is what I love about the first half of it. And then the second half, it goes off a little bit. So overall, it was I, I did think it was quite cool. I, I, do, I do like this episode, but mm. it just kind of, it goes off in a way that just bores me a little bit in the in the last half. What about you? Yeah, no, no, I... I I totally see where you're coming from, actually. I, I like, um, I do like the style of the second half in terms of the way it looks. Like, I love the way the, the forest is lit and it's got all the sort of smog in it. And it, it's really well sort of shot and it looks great. But I agree with you. I, I like the first half better because I remember when the, when it first went out, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I actually thought it was one of the better ones of Series 7. Um, and I watched it again last night and it, it wasn't as good as i remembered i still enjoyed it but i remember thinking it was a lot stronger um and i think you're right i think it it starts off really really well i love the intro and i was thinking this is the sort of thing i'd like to watch on halloween you know (laughs) it's 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 got a really good creepy intro to it um and yeah it's sort of it's when they put that funny plastic headset on on um Emma, the character Emma, and she starts going into the other world. That's it's, that's where it sort of seems to get a little bit messy and um, and fall apart a bit. I think. Yeah, same you know. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you know. I think one because there's quite a small cast in this. There's only four, five actors. Is there? Or uh, six, maybe, including the main cast. There's not many people in it. No, no. So it's quite a small cast, and I think it actually works in its favour because I, I think the two main. Obviously, Matt and Jenna, but um, I think the professor and Emma. So, you, what's his name? Dugray. Dugray? Uh, Scott? Yeah, Dugray Scott. Yep. Yeah, because he's what, like I said, he's, a, he's one of those actors, you know, he's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I didn't know his name, but I recognize him straight away. And I think he's really good in it. And I think Jessica Rain's good in it as well. And they make for quite a good pairing. Um, they're quite sort of. I don't know. I do believe them. I think because they've got all this old equipment around them and they, I think they, they play the parts quite well. Yeah. Um, but I think they needed to because, as I say, there isn't any other real cast in it. So you, they've got to be good in a sense because otherwise it really would fall flat. Um, so, yeah, I like both of them in it. I thought they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Smith, um, I do rate as the Doctor. I found him a little bit irritating in this. I don't remember <laughs> thinking that at the time. Um, it's funny because I think... 
I think having Capaldi as the Doctor now and the way he is with Clara makes me watch um, Matt Smith's Doctor with Clara in a different light. And there's nothing I can do about it. They they almost seem childish to me compared to the Capaldi um, and Jenna Coleman relationship. Does that make sense? They, yeah, I know what you mean. Like I was watching yeah. it yesterday and they were sort of almost sort of bickering and she's her character seems totally different in this to me. Um, like she doesn't seem very confident in her performance. She, she sort of does more towards the end, funny enough, but there's lots of scenes in this where they're, they're both quite childish um, and that didn't sort of work for me particularly this time i don't didn't think that when i first watched it but i just think it's because the series has sort of evolved a bit since that now when i go back and watch these i kind of find it a little bit kiddie but that is more the second half because as i say the beginning to this certainly isn't kiddie you know it's uh, anything yeah. but yeah um but yeah i don't know they, they're both i thought the two guest supporting characters um professor and emma really good um i thought matt and jenna um good but but a little bit twee um okay in this episode you know like um there's lots of that silly hand stuff going on i mean <laughs> I, I think matt's a great doctor but he he got a little bit too thing towards the end a little bit too sort of um silly in in times and uh, i think there are bits in this where it's not necessarily his fault perhaps they're trying to inject a bit of humor into the script but where i was sort of thinking oh sort of rub me up the wrong way a little bit okay you know. i found some of the humor pretty pretty funny okay um not all of it but i found some um, nice little bits in there. One thing um, interesting that you mentioned there was how the Doctor went very silly mm. um, towards the end of stuff. Um, I I think that he I think that he played the Doctor pretty well in this, and um, I don't think that he went too OTT as much as you did. I don't think. No, I don't I, think he was too OTT, but I don't know. It's just his mannerisms were sort of grating on me a little bit. What by the end of it, you thought you've had enough of of Matt Smith now. No, 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 not at all. No, I, I, I think he's a really great doctor, but um, I, I think perhaps more down to the script. You know, like you know, like the little clip you played in when he's okay. like, uh, yeah. "Yes," and you're "Yes," and he's like really sort of excited. I don't know, just Sorry, little bits yeah. of that didn't didn't sort of work for me. Whereas okay. I like the bit at the end where he's like in the forest talking to the hide, and he's like, "Come on, sexy, I'll give you a lift back," and that <laughs> you know that that works. I like that, but yeah, yeah. Um... And also, I, the bloody Sonic really irritates me. Um, I mean, it did at the time, but when he gets that Sonic out all the time, and he does it a lot in this one, um, you know, trying to find the ghost. And okay. I was just like, oh, the Sonic, the give it a Sonic. rest. Yeah, I really was. I put it in great big letters on my notes. Bloody Sonic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just little things like that. But but I, again, I think not necessarily bugs me so much at the time, but it's because they have sort of, picked up on these things like this overuse of Sonic and changed it in the new series. So I think it, it grates on me more when I go back and watch some of the older ones, if that, if that makes sense. I read you. Yeah. I read you. I still thought he was good. I still, I still think Matt's a great doctor. Mm. Jenna, I don't think she, I just, not again, not her fault. I don't think they, I don't think her character is there. She's all over the place. Um, I think she's quite weak at the start of this. And I think she sort of gets stronger at the end. Like when she's, having to go at the TARDIS and that. But she's too cocky, her character, with them with Matt Smith for me. I just I don't find yeah. her very likable. No. I think I know I think I know what you mean. It's um I, I kind of got that vibe when I was watching it as well. It's, mm. it's one of those things where Clara can be at times but I th- we've seen that with past companions as well though. Mm. Where they have these episodes where 
they're kind of fearless in a way in kind of their attitude towards the doctor which is kind of strange because the clara at the at, in the first um, part of this uh, episode she actually gets quite scared you know, she. I think the two of them go into it very much as sort of happy-go-lucky, and because when they open the door and she's like, "Who are you?" and she's like, "We're Ghostbusters." Yeah. You know, it's kind of comical then, and even when they first get into the house and that sort of thing, it's all quite light-hearted. But when the doctor picks up the candlesticks and they go off looking for it, and they go into the music room, it's all very cold and dark. She actually gets quite scared. Mm. You know, however, she still, although she portrays that to to the doctor she is still quite cocky with him like you say and she is a little bit kind of um you know it's it's hard to explain because her her attitude towards everything else in the story is she's quite scared now Mm. because there's some obviously something going on in the house but she's still very much you know that way with the doctor and the only time that you see her you're not like that is when the portal closes and the doctor's trapped and she's going yes. nuts at Emma to, you know, to do something and to bring him back. Yeah, that's what I meant about yeah. her being stronger in the second half of the episode. She suddenly comes into her own and All right, yeah. is yeah. much stronger character, yeah. Yeah, so she yeah. is, yeah, I know what you mean. Again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about it is very much a, a story of kind of two parts, really. Mm. The first part is this way and the characters are like that, but then from pretty much bang on halfway through and onwards, um, everybody kind of changes a little bit. And every, yeah. you know, it does mix up. But but the, the other thing I thought about this episode as well, because obviously we're watching it as a self-contained episode rather than a series. And and I haven't watched much of Series 7 for quite some time. And there were bits in this that, and again, this is a slight problem with the Moffat era. If you are just watching an episode as a self-contained episode, there were bits in it that, that weren't making sense to me. So I was thinking, it seems there are conversations between the Doctor and Clara where it's almost as if she's it's her first trip in the TARDIS. And I couldn't work out why, because I was suddenly I was thinking, well, hang on, this is part B of Series Seven, yeah. so she's already. I, I, do you know what I mean? There are um, there's a couple of bits where she's asking him stuff, and she's like saying, "Oh, the TARDIS doesn't like me." And it, and, but is there a reason for that? Because I honestly can't remember. I know that the Doctor keeps taking her home at the end of every episode, which really annoyed me. I never got the idea of that, but I know that he keeps going and picking her up every sort of week or whatever in series seven doesn't he? he just keeps dropping her off and she goes and looks after the kids for a week and then he picks her up so i don't know if it's that but there were a couple of bits in this where i i was unclear why what was going on it's just, i was thinking yeah. this isn't her first trip in the tardis is it i said i, I don't know i wish i'd written down what she said now because i can't think of the example but perhaps you know what, what what i'm talking about it's just there's a couple of bits where she's sort of asking him stuff as if she's never been in the tardis before and and stuff like that. And then at yeah. the end of it, she's flying the blimmin' TARDIS. I mean, I, that's the other thing I couldn't work out. I, I'm guessing the TARDIS is helping her. That's the only thing. Yes. But how is she able to fly the TARDIS at the end? Well, I don't think it's her flying it. I think she's just holding on. Right, Because okay. the TARDIS yeah. is, like, really, you know, going for it, and she's being thrown around a little bit. But I think you are you are right in that she it, it does come across as if this is, like, one of her first episodes with the Doctor. Yeah. Because she is asking, cause I can't remember exactly what she's asking the doctor, but she, he's she's asking him things about the TARDIS, which she probably should know at that point. And he's saying to her, you know, the TARDIS is, you know, whatever. And, it, and there's that scene as well where she's outside and she can't get into the TARDIS. 
Yeah, because it doesn't like it. Was that ever explained? No, and it's... I'm not sure. It's kind of... It must allude to this whole thing about, you know, the TARDIS is alive and that sort of thing. Because I remember liking that at the time. I remember thinking, oh, what's this? The TARDIS doesn't like Clara. I remember thinking, oh, you know, where's that going? Um, I think somebody did... I'm sure somebody's corrected me because I've asked this before. Did we ever find out? Um, and I'm sure somebody listening will tell me because I'm sure somebody did say yes, it's because. Um, but it was never made that clear to me. I'm, I still don't know the answer to it. Um, I'm thinking I remember the scene I'm talking about, actually. It's when the doctor's going back and taking lots of photographs yeah. of the Earth. And then he gets to the Earth when it's um, obliterated. And Clara suddenly gets really upset about oh, yeah. it and says, yeah. oh, this. so this is the end of Earth and I'm just a ghost to you. And. I think it was all that. It was around that scene. I was thinking, well, what's going on? She's been traveling with the Doctor. She knows what the TARDIS does. Why is she having a meltdown over this? And it didn't make sense to me. And I, and I don't know if it's because it ties in with the rest of the series, because I honestly can't remember. I haven't really watched it that much, Series 7. Um, but it sort of did take me out of the story a bit. Yes, that's, yeah, that's when she kind of... I think there's like a realisation, really, that mm-hmm. um, she probably you know suddenly clocks that you know the doctor is a a a constant whereas his companions are kind of relative yeah i suppose yeah. like he's always going to travel he's always going to do that but companions sort of come and go so she's kind of like you know we're all just ghosts to you you just carry on and we we're, we're forgotten yeah sort of thing but it doesn't really I, I can see why they've done that but it doesn't really link into the story of the episode too much i think it's just like a little aside to kind of give Clara a bit of character building and her relationship with the Doctor, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there is a, there's a couple of nice little bits. There's a bit where um, Clara's talking to Emma uh, about things. She's sort of saying, oh, well, why aren't you two together? And then Emma says to her, well, why are you and the Doctor together? And the bit I like is when Emma says to her, be careful of him. He's got a sliver of ice in his heart or something like that. And I thought, I remember at the time thinking, oh, you know, what's this? And I wonder <laughs> if that's sort of tying into... Capaldi as well I don't know um, but Possibly. that was quite yeah because yeah, I don't again it wasn't really sort of ever, didn't sort of lead anywhere but it was a nice nice little throw in line yeah what did you think to um, uh, Matt Smith's pronunciation of a certain <laughs> planet I've, I've I've written that down in great big letters because it <laughs> did it did bug the hell out of me um, it is one of those geeky things um, and I would just you know, some people will say, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to put my hands up in the air and say it really annoys me because he doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason it annoys me is because it's meta. I know even I get it wrong, but it's Metabolus 3. Yeah. And he says Metab- Metabolus 3, doesn't me- he? Me- yeah, Metabolus. Me- Metabolus. I tried to write it as he says it in my notes. Metabolus, he says. Yeah. Metabolus 3, I think is how you say it. I mean, again, I could be wrong, but it, it annoys me that, so much because if you're gonna go to the effort of putting in a reference like that for goodness sake get it right yeah do you know what i mean there's yeah. no point in even being there if, you, if, you, if you're gonna say it wrong and it is i know some people would just be thinking i'm pathetic and silly and it doesn't matter but it does it bugs me i just think <laughs> they should have had somebody just saying now hang on we've got a reference here to a third doctor story uh, we better make sure we're saying it right you know what i mean yeah. And Moth, when he's watching it back, isn't is he not there? You know, is he, he should have saying? said, "Oh, that's yeah. not right." Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It does. It bugs me. As I say, look, because he doesn't just say it once; he says it twice. And I was just, I was groaning like mad 
um, nah, I know what you mean. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> but yeah. I did I did put that down as well. Does it bug you as much? It does bug me, yeah. Oh, I, thank I, goodness. I wrote that down as well. It's kind of like one of those hard shot first kind of situations where, yes. you know, it's, you know, the original is as it should be said, in my opinion. And you're right, it's probably nothing to get too put up about, but, you know, as a fan, these things, all the details matter, I guess. It does, because um, it just makes you think that there's no point in it, actually. He may as well not <laughs> say it, because yeah. it's just pointless. It's um, it's almost like, it's. I almost compare it to if they, when they brought the series back, if, if Chris Ferguson had sort of said, make sure we get to the two of this, You'd be saying no, it's TARDIS. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you just, you just, if you're gonna have these things in, you've got to get them right. No, yeah, or it's no point. But I'm glad yeah. you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's too much else to say on this one. Um, no, I, I would just like to say I do like the design of Hyde. I know we don't see him, the crooked very man. much, and I think that works well because we don't see him very much. Um, but there's that one quick shot where the sort of face comes up behind Matt's shoulder or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's very simple. It's just like this twisted creature, whatever. Very, very simple. Um, we don't see much of it. It's very quick shots. But I like it. I think it works pretty well as a monster, I've got to say. Okay. Yeah, um, Yeah. it's not too bad. It's, yeah, it's very, it's very simple. Um, yeah, it's very simple, yeah. Uh, it looks quite complicated up close, but in, in essence, it's just a kind of deformed clay like gooey looking thing does the does the fact that he's trying to get to he's, he wants a lift back to get to his he needs a cab partner. right back it, yeah he's, that's right he needs a cab right back so he, he's got you know a monster a female mrs hyde you know does that bother you because i know a lot of people don't they thought that was a real unnecessary little bit at the end and they do but to me call me an old romantic <laughs> but I, I actually don't mind i think it's quite sweet that he's actually trying to get to another um to mrs hyde you know and i'm sure there are people out there listening to go boo hiss what are you but it doesn't bother me at all um that ending yeah. um, but i know some people it does does it do you think it's a bit a bit sickly um or, or do you think it's all right yeah i wouldn't say it's a bit sickly i think the episode wouldn't be any less enjoyable without it yeah um, okay so and it doesn't detract too much and it doesn't take up that scene at the end where he goes off to 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 rescue that one and bring it back it doesn't really take up too much time it's only like a minute and a half mm. of that whole thing because you see him put the harness on die through the portal run around yeah Sardis swoops down it's not even a minute and a half it's probably like under a minute but i, I don't know it's pretty harmless i don't mind it i don't mind it I know yeah, a lot of people just... do have a problem with it though uh, yeah, I bet Mrs. Hyde's a right stunner as well. A right stunner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's too much else to go on with this one. No, um, I think overall, because Series 7 is a bit of a bumpy ride, isn't it? Parts 1 and 2, they're a bit here, Miss. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, this is, is one of the better ones. I, I don't think it's, it, as I say, it didn't quite live up to being as good as I remembered it. Um but I still think it's a, a fairly decent episode. I don't think it's a fantastic, but but I do think it's it's decent. Okay, C certainly better than uh, Neil Cross's other effort, the Rings at Akatan. Oh, bloody called. hell! Yeah, one day we haven't done that, have we? One day, one day, one um, day. And you know, three times I watched that to try and anyway. No, we'll do that another time. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I certainly think this is a much stronger episode from him. Okay, let's get on to scores. Okay, it's you first this week, buddy. Um, I'm going to go for 7 out of 10. 
Ah, well, that's easy then. Snap. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, it's just a straightforward. It, it's. I wouldn't go any less than that. I wouldn't go any higher. It's just a, a, a decent watch. Um, yeah, it's just straightforward, easy enough watch. Yeah, same as. Nothing. Nothing I hate about it apart from the Metabolist Three pronunciation. <laughs> uh, apart from that, there's there's nothing I particularly dislike about it. Um, I think I have to be in the mood for it. It's not an episode I would sort of. Mm look through the box sets and think, uh, oh, hide. It's not one of those episodes. But if I'm in the mood for it, like yeah. on Halloween or whatever, I think it, it's uh, perfectly decent. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Cool. What did you guys have to say uh, mm. over on Facebook? So there's uh, – you, <laughs> you guys had some really long comments. They went to town. On this they one. went to so town on this one, yeah. I'm going to pick out some of the bits from each one. So Ryan Anthony, uh, he's put, in my opinion, Series 7 is very underrated. Um, it does have a lot of bad episodes, but also a lot of good ones. Unfortunately, though, this is one of the bad ones. Mm, I'm not sure I agree, but... Yeah, he goes off to say that positives are the setting was amazing, the atmosphere started off scary, um, and it wasn't that predictable. Um, but the bad points, however, um, he hated that it wasn't actually a ghost, and he said a female in need of rescuing. Um, another thing had potential was the crooked man. Um, that could have been an amazing new invention by Neil Cross, but instead they made it a really soppy, useless <laughs> uh, love story in the end. Uh, yeah, supporting... I suppose that's – sorry, I guess that's why, yeah, when a lot of people moan about love story, I think that's what, what it is, isn't it? They feel it was a, a waste of what could have been right. quite a good monster. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he then says the supporting cast were good. Uh, Jenna Coleman was the same as she had been in other episodes. Matt Smith was amazing. Uh, overall, story had potential, but was let down six out of ten. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Cousins 2019. Uh, when I watched it for the first time in 2013, uh, God, where does the time go, he says. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really like this one, but I watched this one on Netflix a few weeks ago and really enjoyed it. Uh, I love the realisation uh, ship between the TARDIS and Clara. Uh, sorry, I love the relationship between TARDIS and Clara. <laughs> uh, love that we get to see the time vortex this episode, um, but Matt says Metabolist 3 wrong. Mm. Metabolist 3 wrong. Uh, and also love... Uh, the Ghostbusters reference at the start. Uh, the yeah. best ones of Series 7, Part 2, 8 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Michael Taylor. Uh, ah, yes, you do like to pick episodes that we'll divide. Oh, we do. Uh, this is no different. I enjoyed this episode, especially for the Moffatisms. Uh, like Time Heist in Series 9, this episode is two different types of stories in one. Um, then he goes on to say, uh, it was up to Moffat to plan these type of stories, and it's something that he does ruthlessly well. Uh, in fact, it's one of the main reasons why I love the Moffat era. Um, he goes on to say, thanks for giving me a reason to rewatch this little gem and keep up the good work, Doctor Who, my friends. Oh, thanks very much. So, positive review from Michael. Uh, Kieran Knight, uh, it's because of Neil Cross's writing here and in Rings of Akaten that got me into Luther, and it's a dialogue that makes this story better than it could have been. Uh, Dougray Scott's character has an interesting motivation, even if he is a bit underused. Uh, goes on to say, it's quite creepy, always entertaining, and Matt Smith is brilliant as always, as usual, sorry. Uh, only big problem is the unnecessary twist for the monster, which all fans seem to dislike, uh, but does give it 8 out of 10. Cool. Uh, Matt Rowney from Who Addicts. Uh, Hyde is a strange one for me. It depends what mood I'm in. Sometimes uh, when I've watched it, it's great, um, but most recently when I watched it, it's really bored me. Uh, he loves how it's a mix uh, between paranormal and sci-fi, which worked really well. Um, I don't get why they made it a love story in the end. It just made the whole build-up beforehand a bit pointless. Uh, it's not a story I'd rush uh, to watch uh, to rewatch, but it has. Uh, if it's on TV, I would watch it six out of ten. Fair play, uh, Ben Smith. 
Uh, I really don't enjoy this story, just like every other Series 7 Part 2 episode. Um, I've just twigged, actually. Um, this was the, ser- uh, the series that was split into two, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I wondered why people were saying Part 2 and Part B. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm thinking, is that like filming blocks or something? But no, this is when <laughs> they did the infamous... Um, pointless, split. annoyed everybody, split the series in two. That's anyway, right. he goes on to say, the revolution, uh, revelation that the ghost is just some woman completely makes the first quite promising 20 minutes pointless. Uh, the Doctor seems to waste a long time in the pocket universe. He could have easily got through the portal with the woman. The love story end is a bit stupid. Two out of ten. Ooh, quite harsh. Uh, really short one from Martin Havel. Uh, it's the only Series 7 episode worth watching. Okay. Mm. Uh, Matt Gibson, Duxbury. Uh, good characters and very good setting, but a terrible twist at the end um, of the episode, which is the monster is in love. Uh, the hell with that monster should be allowed <laughs> to, to eat people, not love. Um, a poor five out of ten for me. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Finn Walsh. Uh, it's a decent episode. Nothing special about it. Six and a half out of ten. Okay. And Jay Kent. Uh, I found this genuinely creepy and intriguing. Uh, I do feel like episodes with this quality in Series 7 get overlooked when it's compared to things like Cold War and dinosaurs on a spaceship. Mm. Uh, There was a sense of mystery with the added creepiness, even with the monster in love ending that too many episodes run into. Time heist. I can't hide that it's my favourite from Series 7. <laughs> and then she replied to herself a bit later on, oh, I didn't rate it. Um, oh, God, I don't know. Eight out of ten. <laughs> I love the fact you just called Jay She. It's a guy. Jay, oh, very sorry. He has got very long hair, though. You no, know I'm what? very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I did know that. I'm sorry, Jay. He'll, he'll love that. Sorry, um, Jay. <laughs> for those of you, yeah, I was going to say, for those of you that, that do hate the, the love story monster, um, perhaps what you didn't see was when Matt Smith does take him back to meet Mrs. Hyde is that he immediately bites her head off and ruins the whole mansion. Um, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. Um, I had a couple on Geek's Handbag, a couple of comments. We had uh, Robert Lithgow simply says, boring, 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 boring. Ooh. So not a fan. Uh, and Andy Frankham Allen says, one of the two best episodes of Series 7B. Very different, and I especially love the lack of complete resolution at the end. The adventure goes on. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Mm-hmm. Jace Howells, 500-year diary says, have only seen it once when transmitted, but loved how creepy it was, and one of the better stories of that series. Okay. Harry Westergaard says, uh, I find this one quite forgettable and haven't watched it since it first aired. I remember liking the period stuff, but I felt like the episode fell flat as a whole. The, the weaker of Neil Cross's two stories, in his opinion. Mm. Don't know about that, Harry. Uh, George Coppen, he says, I remember going into this episode thinking it was going to be average episode and it was so much better than I expected. The Crooked Man is creepy and the world where he lives is excellent. He's given it an 8 out of 10. Daniel Seligman says, I kind of enjoy this episode. I think my feelings for this episode change every time I watch it, but I enjoy the creepy tone and the ghost story. Overall, this is one of the Series 7's better episodes. 7.5 out of 10 from Daniel. Cool. And got two more. We've got Thomas Andrew Evans. He says, Series 7, yawn. (laughs) In all fairness, this episode is one of the better ones from Series 7. I mean, come on. 
It could be worse. It could be Love and Monsters or The Wedding of River Song. <laughs> yes. Well, we've still got to do the wedding. Um, Hayden Boyd finally says, I really enjoyed this episode, especially the creepy tone that runs throughout it. My only negative is the end where it's revealed that the crooked man has a girlfriend. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think we're pretty much all on board, actually, aren't we? Um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much all pretty on board. Pretty much. Uh, quite similar scores for people that liked it, around 7 and 8 out of 10s. People that didn't like it, looking at a 2. Lowest score, though. Yeah, that was yeah, that's good. the lowest. So, yeah, that was uh, Hyde. Um, what are we doing next week, buddy? Next week, uh, we're, we're going to see the governor, that is Peter Davison, <laughs> um, and his old friends, the Daleks. So we're going to be reviewing Resurrection of the Daleks, uh, the Peter Davison story, um, which, yeah, is... Uh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> That's going to be another interesting one. It certainly is, yeah. Yep. I always get the two titles mixed up, Re- Resurrection and Revelation. Revela- I, had to, yep. I had to quickly look beforehand to make sure it was the Davison, not the Baker. Because <laughs> um, I really want to do the Baker one as well, actually, at some point. That is uh, that is going to be another one that will cause a lot of good debate. But cool. yeah, next week, Resurrection of the Daleks. Give us your thoughts on that one. We'll put the picture up um, for you to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I think we are done for this week. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us for episode 52. It's been great talking uh, all the news with you guys and going through our review of Hyde, which we gave sevens for. Which is quite reasonable, I would say. Yeah, certainly certainly not that bad. Fairly reasonable. Uh, right, trivia. Last week uh, we asked you, um, by what names do the Doctor and his companions call themselves in the Hartnell episode, The Gunfighters? Hmm. And we had a couple of people. Uh, we had Thomas Andrew Evans and uh, Jeff Waddle all got it right. Uh, it was Dr. Calgary, Stephen Regret, and Dodie uh, Dewpoint. <laughs> Very well. I've just got, just got to say, actually, as well, um, I'm not being pedantic, but I don't want Jeff to unsubscribe. His name's Waddle. Waddle. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and he goes, oh, he'll be throwing things at the screen. It's Waddle. It's Waddle. Jeff Waddle. It's- as we're talking about how the it's pronounced, yeah, so it's waddle. Those, those <laughs> I only remember because right. I remember he said it rhymes with model. So okay, that's, every right. time we, every time I see Jeff's name, I think of he's a model and he does. <laughs> so that's the, that's the way to remember it. I'm not going to hello dig. Jeff. By the way, I'm not going to dig uh, a hole anymore. Let's move on. So those guys got it right. Thank you very much. Question for this week is: Which publication does Sarah Jane Smith work for? Ooh, yeah. Good one. Just jump onto Twitter and Facebook. Uh, give us your answer. We'll read them out next week if you got it right. So until then, uh, remember to check out Adam's uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page for The Geek's Handbag. Just do a search for that. You'll find it. All good stuff on there. Uh, otherwise, jump onto the um, our website, which is uh, a bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Uh, and from there, you can uh, listen to all the previous episodes and you can... It links off to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And there's also links on there to subscribe in iTunes as well, which would be awesome if you did. Uh, so join us next week. Our review will be Resurrection of the Daleks. Until then, my name's Gary. And my name's Adam. And remember, and 